Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. Thank you very much for joining us on this new edition of Games on Film, and this episode's focus is going to be on a little movie called Doom. Doom. Yes. There's a YouTube video of a guy waking up his little kids with a water pistol singing the Doom uh, music. It's really cute. I, is want... it though? Is it, or is that just cruelty? Shooting, shooting I don't know. The kid's laughing. It's really cute. Anyway, that's what that this film's based on, isn't it? That video of the man waking up his little boy with a water pistol, I think. Well, debatable, debatable. about how loose an adaptation this film is. <laughs> um, but before we get stuck into the film, um, mm-hmm. as is always the case with games on film... We'll be talking spoilery detail about Doom the movie. That's Doom the 2005? 2005, yes. 2005 movie. So a good 13 years mm-hmm. has been and gone. But it's funny, as we record this, there's rumblings of uh, a new, a potentially new Doom movie, isn't there? Well, it's, it's fun timing. If you listen to the um, previous episode uh, on Rampage... Um, we remarked about how recently uh, The Rock, uh, who appears in both Rampage and this movie, had bad-mouthed mm. uh, his prior video game movie credit. It's interesting because uh, it's quite nice for us to not be doing new cinema releases mm. at last. And we're going back to so-called classic movies mm-hmm. and ones we've actually seen before. Yep. Um, and not only that, but also to have one on DVD. And so I spent a little bit of time just enjoying the fact that I was watching a DVD again. I don't think I've put something in my DVD player since at least before Christmas. <laughs> but also watching all these special features. And I, look, I was looking at the special features and looking at interviews with The Rock, having a good time and being very complimentary about his cast and crew and, mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and just thinking, but The Rock of today... You know, was he thinking it was a stinker, quote unquote stinker at the time? Are you telling me a wrestler might be good at promoting himself? <laughs> selling, no. selling the product. So we, we don't know what's gone off on in The Rock's mind since uh, he was in Doom and this. So we were interested to revisit to see mm. whether it was a, a stinker as he claims. But because there's this, you know, just at the same time of this episode, there's this new Doom movie which has been kind of announced yeah and there's very little information at time of recording where we are i think uh, an actress said she was going to be involved in it um and then um it was confirmed that yes there's a doom movie in product well in early stages of pre-production i think um yes but i don't think it's going to be a cinema release no it was um i think i found some information because it's it's again a universal product because i guess they still own the license so um universal made this version of doom uh doom 2005 i guess we might have to call it from now on depending on whatever the title of this 
of this new piece is. I think I think we should call just this film Doom and the next one Ultimate Doom. <laughs> Ultimate Doom. Well, so the company is it's part of Universal Home Entertainment. Is it fourteen forty productions? It's interesting because their first release according to Wikipedia was the Scorpion King Three. Oh. Battle for Redemption, is of that- course. Dwayne the Rock Johnson was the Scorpion King. He wasn't the Scorpion King at the time of the Scorpion King three. I don't think. I think it was a different wrestler. Scorpion King three, the one where, due to budgetary constraints, they had to fight an invisible scorpion (laughs) monster at the end. Uh, it's quite possible. I think it literally happened. So anyway, this this Universal Home Entertainment. uh, You look through the credits, and it's mainly sequels to films which came out at the cinema but these mm. ones on home entertainment so you've got death race 3 inferno oh. um jarhead 2 what field of fire <laughs> okay i imagine it doesn't have quite the same hmm. uh, characteristics i feel i feel like you're killing my excitement for the new doom uh, movie tremors 5 bloodlines uh oh. kindergarten cop 2 what yep Jarhead, I think I think that was Dolph Lundgren, I think, in that one. Oh, I think, yes, there's a whole subgenre of Dolph Lundgren director video movies. Jarhead 3, The right. Siege, so there's a third Jarhead. Um, Is Dolph Lundgren Another in that Death one? Race, Bigger Fatter Liar, Dragonheart, Battle for the Heartfire, Cop and a Half, New Recruit. Okay. Um, Bring It On, Worldwide, Cheer Smack. And, uh, and Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. I see. Okay. And then Death Race Beyond Anarchy. So just yes. they went back to that. They had a little blip with Mariah Carey. So anyway, this is the kind of level of quality we might expect. Oh dear. I was excited, <laughs> but now I'm not. But, you know, it is exciting times for Doom, isn't it? Because uh, the new, the newest Doom, just called Doom, um, has been out. I think it came out on PS4, was it last year? Um, or the year, year before, before, maybe. And then uh, it's come out on the Switch recently, and that was viewed as very much as a, a sort of a... Well, I don't know if Back to Basics is correct, because Doom 3, upon which the movie we're talking about tonight, um, is based upon... Doom 3 came out in 2004, and um, this new Doom came out like a decade later, so it's almost like every generation has its own Doom and, yes. And um, so we're currently in this this next gen version, which is very much Hellspawn and and um, a lot of fun. But we don't want to talk about that too much, partly because the film the film we're doing tonight has nothing to do with the brand new Doom, of course. Yes, also, it obviously predates it. Also, two thousand and five's uh, sorry, the the next Doom movie may be very much influenced by the current doom games i kind of completely missed doom when it came out originally it came out in 1993 and i definitely had played wolfenstein and we sort of we both sort of skipped doom and got into quake um and i feel like the original quake has been sort of forgotten because quake quickly turned into quake 2 which was i feel very much influenced by doom in the sort of techno futuristic um, yeah, Doom Three feels more like Quake Two than mm, Doom. Than Doom. Um, so I uh, I got, but I didn't. Eventually, did return to Doom. There was Doom sixty four, which I played. That was a really good version of Doom and Doom Two on the Game Boy Advance. Mm. And you kind of forget what a powerful little console that was. I mean, it was a thrill to have. Super NES games on there, and then you got um, these Doom games. So uh, a common technological question: mm-hmm. whenever there's a new piece of technology uh, released or announced, is the uh, question: Can it take Doom? Really? And there's a whole mod community, okay, or something around it, 
where basically people have been trying to get Doom onto any yes. anything with a screen. So I've seen Doom on um, inkjet printer screens. Nice. Um, I've seen it on, I guess, there's different kind of calculator devices. Mm-hmm. Or um, I've got a feeling someone did a version of it where you could play Doom through one of those old-timey pianos, <laughs> which, um, you know, spools through the musical noted notes and, and things and plays itself. And I think there was a version of Doom which you could operate from that. Doom has almost become a Pac-Man or a Pong. It's that same level of iconic game, mm. which people keep coming back to. Yeah. Um, and I, as you say, re- they released a Game Boy Advance version, which seems bonkers. Mm. Um, but they've managed to do it. Though I remember, I think I'm, I was more of a Duke Nukem 3D kind of guy as well, actually. And I've always had a soft spot for that franchise. Um, just because you could look up and down, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's, that's where... If you want to make Harry happy, make sure you can look up and down. Doom 3 is what this... Um, a film is mostly based on and again I didn't really play Doom 3 but luckily you uh, you've bought yourself a coffee a coffee a copy and uh, you've been giving it a go and, and I've watched you play it as well what, what's your thoughts on Doom 3 well um, I, it's I've had this copy knocking around for a while but um, um, I've never really actually sat down to play it so I have I got it on Xbox and I've just been playing through the first maybe couple of hours or so, and you can definitely see clear references and links um, to Doom 3, um, which I guess we'll go through. And I haven't obviously played a huge amount of Doom 3. I've kind of enjoyed it for what it is. I think it you know, was very much at the time. I remember when it came out, it was seen as very um, revolutionary um, in terms of the graphics and the lighting and... Also, just how it's quite a lot different to the um, Doom 1 and Doom 2, uh, just in terms of the, uh, not just the graphics and everything, but the setting of the game, even though it's set on Mars, it's more about claustrophobic um, corridors, and it's more kind of cyborg Mm. stuff rather than full-on demons from hell. Yeah, the I noticed how the Wikipedia page is classed as a survival horror, where I'd say mm. the other games are very much action games. Yes. I remember a more divisive reaction, actually, when the game came out. I remember uh, reviews on the old classic, I think it was Teletext uh, service, Digitizer. I think it was Digitizer, it might have been uh, Game Central, which came afterwards. But uh, I remember the, the idea of only being able to use your gun or your torch being quite divisive and broke up the gameplay a little bit. So I was surprised to read that the reaction was more positive, as you describe. When this film came out, uh, I had just about finished university and, as mentioned before, I'd written my dissertation on video game movies, so of course went to the cinema to see it, and it didn't look like the Doom I knew. There was no flaming torches on the walls, (laughs) no blood rivers, not a drop of lava... Yeah, and you don't even, you see Mars for like, you see Mars the planet, and then at only one point in the film does someone look through a window and see Mars the outside. I've only just realised that, but you're absolutely correct, yes. It's the whole, I mean, the whole film's set on Mars. Um, (laughs) You can tell that because the little readout appears at the bottom saying Mars facility. Well, it's funny because 
I was watching on the DVD version, and uh, it was one of those infuriating DVDs where oh. the subtitles, uh, where all the text about the location and everything, is rendered in add-on subtitles the usual rather than subtitles, rather yes. than burnt onto the film. But mm. you still have the noise three or four times. So you saw it on DVD. I saw how it was meant to be seen on the bus. <laughs> on my phone. Um, I've had a bit of a busy week, so I've actually I watched it in a couple, you know, three or four chunks. Okay. So our, our different viewing experiences may uh, determine how we feel about the film, because I watched the standard Netflix version. You can get this on Netflix UK right now, and I've got the DVD. Rory's got the extended DVD. Yes. So I'm looking forward to some juicy behind-the-scenes <laughs> Uh, but, um, deleted director's cut scenes in there, which no doubt expand the character's backstory and all sorts of things. And, and it's not just a way to shoehorn deleted scenes into the film and make a bit more money, I'm sure. Well, um, yes, I mean, so you mm. saw it at the cinema, I mm. saw it at the cinema, mm. because this is the first film we've done where we've seen it before and we're watching it again and it's not a brand new release. Have you watched it much since? What was your, What were your impressions of the um. film Coming to it before revisiting, when was the last time you saw it? See, I remember, obviously bought it on DVD, I enjoyed it enough to buy it on DVD, and yeah, I quite liked it. I had fond memories of it. I feel like opinion might have changed since then. Um, I don't know if I want to talk about how he felt about it now. Why not? Well, I mean, of... maybe we'll, yeah. Well, no, okay. why, why not? I mean, I feel like I liked it a little bit less this time. But I wonder if it's because I was watching it in, in various chunks. Because the film itself is a lot of walking around dark corridors. And they seem slightly interchangeable. Well, it's interesting because that you say that because my takeaway, mm-hmm. my thought was I enjoyed it at the cinema enough, mm-hmm. but I thought it is just a bunch of going back and forth through dark corridors and mm. and it's just lots and lots of toing and froing. And I was expecting that, and then I watched the film and I was like, oh, actually, it gets to the action quicker than I thought, mm-hmm. and it's a bit more interesting than I thought. Okay. Um, going to it, so actually, I think I probably liked it a little bit mm. more. You're going to have a falling out. Then you did. Well, I mean, we're talking like degrees. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking like you know loved and hated. I think we're talking about oh, half a star difference either way. At a distant research facility, the final ten percent of the human genome has just been discovered. And with it, all hell has broken loose. Now, a call for help has gone out. Game time. Listen up, man. We're going in hot. If it breathes, kill it. There's something coming up behind you. It's in the sewer! What is that? We gotta go now. Evacuate! Evacuate! Shall we get into the film? Get cracking proper. into film. So the film start. Do you want me? Should I do a, a nutshell synopsis? Well, I think. I think it's probably not necessary for this film because there isn't a huge amount of mm. plot and the setup is kind of established in the opening narration yeah. by oh. Rosamund Pike. Okay. Um, Rosamund Pike, what are your opinions of her and how do you think she was in the film? I think she's not good. 
Oh, really? Because, but I, I don't think that's her fault. Okay. Because I think she's a fine actress. She's really good in an education mm-hmm. uh, with Terry Mulligan. She was very good in Gone Girl. Yes. But prior to Doom, I think the only thing I'd seen her in was Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. Same here, probably. No one came out of that very well. But I think it's a case where maybe she doesn't rise above the material. And I think of all the characters in Doom, she's probably the least best served by the script. Because I think she has to wrap wrap her mouth around some really honkingly awful dialogue. I really want to see an interview of her where she's asked about the science of this film. Well, DVD extras... Oh, really? She, they, she does talk about the gore and the autopsy stuff that she she has to do and, and things and getting stuck in with the monsters and stuff. So maybe not so much the actual, the science behind the fiction. Yeah, but she says like that 10% of the human genome is unmapped. Some say it's the genetic blueprint of the soul. And I'm like, really? Who says that? <laughs> yes, but are you saying that's good dialogue? Um, well, I... F- Really, like I, quite, I thought she gave us a really strong performance in this oh, film. Really? I thought maybe it's because I am slightly infatuated with her from like her James Bond days um, or something. Maybe just she gets a, just a one more star in my review uh, reviews um, just for being a, a Bond girl. But um, yeah, I thought she she had all this shonky science dialogue to do, and she I thought she delivered it with a plomb, and she was, she seemed to have. A very strong techno bullshit personality because, like, from the moment the Marines arrive and start to like effectively start to, you know, attempt to molest her and starts like literally talking about how much they want to get in her pants and saying, "Hey, is your is your sister is your sister single yeah. right now?" She's like, she's not going to take any of that. She just brushes it off. But that's um, that that's fine. I mean, I think that's the character, and I think it's 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 okay what they've done with the character. Mm. I think you know, in a very macho movie, she mm. holds her own mm. as just being clearly very capable and intelligent and getting stuck in when it's demanded and stuff. Mm. She's not just running around trying to be saved the whole time. No, um, she doesn't. She doesn't. She's not a damsel in distress. But uh, yeah, I th- I think maybe where you've been affected by her is that there is a point where she stops the science and she starts just going, oh, Jesus. No, <laughs> I mean... Uh, <laughs> she gave a good, oh, Jesus. No, that stuff was fine. I think her accent was a bit... Uh, okay. And I think, I mean... I do it, have a tin ear for accents. But I, but I do think, again, it comes down to the dialogue. There is another exchange later on where um, she says... Does it ever bother you? You could have spent your life looking in a microscope instead of a sniper scope. <laughs> that's a, you sound exactly like her. That was my impression yeah. of Rosamund Pike doing nice. an American accent. But that's that line is really bad and really badly delivered. But then it's immediately counteracted by the reply line from Carl Urban, who plays her brother, who says, "If they were so smart, how come they're so dead?" Yeah. See, but that's. Good bad dialogue. No, no, that's that's, that's Homer Simpson's dialogue. No, Homer, but that's but that's like perfect. Like I'm a dumb grunt, even though he's clearly not. No, but, but what's so funny is that like I wrote that line down. The thing I wrote, the note I wrote immediately before it was, Carl uh, Urban Reaper. He's a smarter, more soulful, soulful individual. Although he does paraphrase Homer Simpson. Um, <laughs> it's just what because they okay. try they try and make. Carl Urban, like he's he's a grunt, but he's he's intelligent. He doesn't need to be a grunt. 
but he yeah that dialogue was thick as shit as well so yeah but i i think it was a little bit both lines are bad but i think it was the delivery and the kind of performance which helped but okay but, we'll know. agree to disagree on the quality of rosamund pike's performance to ever bother you you could have spent your life looking in a microscope instead of a sniper scope It was so smart, how come they're so dead? We don't know. Maybe they just weren't with time. You don't shield a baby from time. But how was her performance when she does the narration? Well, funny you should ask. Um, Could you... Did you write the dialogue down? I wrote not not the full dialogue. I want to hear any time there's some Rosamund Pike dialogue. I want to hear your impression, please. Okay, maybe we'll come back to um, Pike Corner. <laughs> She says that in the year 2026, uh, which is getting perilously close. Exactly. We've only got, what, eight years to go <laughs> before we discover a portal in the Nevada desert, uh, which leads a gateway to Mars. It was called the Ark. Um, so anyway, archaeologists find this portal, transports people to Mars. And then 20 years later, so 2046, uh, not the Wong Kar Wai movie we all know and love. <laughs> <laughs> we all know and love 2046 yes, don't we we do um, okay. I've not seen that one but I, I like it it's pretty good <laughs> um, so in 2046 is where the action of the film is set okay now and, I'm confused and we are treated to so in this so in this the case, universal logo is all red and it becomes a Mars it becomes a Mars <laughs> The Universal logo is a Mars. But I'm always interested about how company logos, how they decide. Do they just ask nicely, oh, can we do this? Or is it only reserved for like prestigious projects? Because I feel like a film has to be at a certain level of quality for Universal to be like, okay, you guys go ahead. You mess up with our logo. I think maybe it's just when they have budget to spare, perhaps. I mean, this film lost money, didn't it? Well, I think the budget was about $60 million, I Mm -hmm. think, and it made 50-something. So, yeah, it lost money. But that's not a huge budget. I mean, considering it's all shot in corridors, it seems weird how it's even that much. Well, I think the opposite, because I think actually, yes, it's all... I mean, you can see how the budget was saved by Mm. how it was shot. But there's a lot of... It's, it's all heavily practical effects, mm. and there's a lot of CG augmentation as well. But it does seem like they put a lot of quality into the production design mm. and those aspects. It's just, yes, they made it quite small. I mean, I mean, they could have just shot it completely first person and saved money on the actors. But the opening sequence is space shit hitting the space fan yes um in a sequence not too um dissimilar to resident evil movies and things so we see all the scientists getting killed uh one of them is called dr carmack and -hmm. we know he's called dr carmack because the woman who's screaming for his attention shouts dr carmack i counted six times Mm -hmm. um and carmack is also the name of one of the creators of doom yes so it was very much like if you knew the game, having Carmack being shouted at you a couple of minutes into the film, sort of six times, yeah, okay, we get it. You 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 know the game. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's that is a little that's the definition of an Easter egg, isn't it? I mean, I think there's another scientist also later on called <laughs> Willets, and Willets is also one of the original Doom makers or but, Doom developers or something. But I can just imagine me watching this with my wife. I'll turn to her and say, 
you know Dr. Carmack? <laughs> That's the name of one of the developers. <laughs> and she would be like, great. I don't give a shit, Harry. Can't you see that a lady's arm has just been swished oh, the arm, off? The arm wiggles a little bit, doesn't it? It does occur. Uh, oh. I mean, there is, um, John, skipping ahead a bit, we hear a recording of all the horror happening. They play a recording to the Marines. And it's lots of screams and lots of, and maybe growls. And then a little bit later, one of the soldiers remarks, I bet this is just a mad guy of a gun. It's like, I didn't hear any gunshots, you idiot. <laughs> I think he has a short-term memory. It's funny, though, that that clip um, of all the screams is played on like what looks like a pretty standard dictaphone. Mm. So even in 2046, technology seems to be um, existing. I mean, there's, there's some weird technolo- technological things in this because um, all the scientists... We see the scene where all the scientists get killed by God knows what. So then we are introduced to um, our Marines, our Space Marines. They are the members of uh, the RRTS. They're the, they're the Rapid Response Tactical Squad, exactly. RRTS. So we're introduced to, we see The Rock first. His, um, in this film, he is credited not as Dwayne Johnson. This is very much during his rock phase. Yeah, and it's also, he's and The Rock. Mm. Uh, in the end credits, it's all the cast and he gets an and. Mm. So even though he is... In the film, just as much, if not more than anyone else, mm-hmm. um, he is still underneath Carl Urban. I, th- I think he was the biggest star, though, wasn't he, at the time? Yeah. But gosh, doesn't Carl Urban and The Rock look so young? It's amazing how, despite being bigger than most of everyone else in the movie, he looks so small in and this film. Like He is, looks huge in Rampage, but now <laughs> modern day Rock looks much like Monster Rock at the end of this film now. Because, yeah. Because modern-day Rock, he's just got, he's so muscly and big. As we mentioned in other episodes, he I think he was still feeling his way with what he wants to be. There was... I think now he's credited in films exclusively as Dwayne Johnson, but and then there's a Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and this is very much The Rock. Um, but he's looking very, very young, and so is Carl Urban. I feel like I... I think some people grow into... Their kind of age. Yes, I whereas think. the rot just keeps growing. But anyway, we're introduced to these um, these characters, and this is the point where you realise the film is not really terribly interested in adapting the Doom games I know and love. Um, but this is very much a sequence from Aliens, where we get all our, char- our characters getting little mini moments. We get introduced to all our Marines and all their cool signs, and. Whilst aliens, we I feel like you get quite affectionate towards the marines right away. They've got the bravado and everything down, but there's still kind of a love-to-hate quality about them. I feel like these guys are mostly dicks. <laughs> yeah, they're mostly kind of awful people, but I think they still have character. And I think mm. you do definitely um, conceive a difference between them. They're not just... Because you sort of have this bunch, and it's quite a small movie with a small cast... Mm. And you are just sort of stuck with these, what, six, seven, eight um, kind of main Let's have a look at the cast. Okay. Um, uh, let, one, let's see two. if you can remember all their names without looking. All, uh, well, oh, actually, all their call signs. It's quite nice how they were introduced. It's when they pick up their guns. Yeah. The call quite sign quite says, like... Um, Destroyer, goat, the kid, <gasps> um, muscle man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mr. Muscle. Um... Come on. Uh, Dennis. Pete. <laughs> okay, so we got... The, the kid. 
uh, Reaper, because he's called, uh, Carl Urban's character is called John Grimm. And so his core name is Grim Reaper. Yes. Uh, Sarge is the rock. Destro- yep. We had Destroyer, Goat, a ports- Portsman. Portman. Does Portman have a call sign? I think he's just Portman. Okay. He's my least favourite. I can talk. I'll talk about him in a minute, but I don't like him. And who else? Uh, Duke. Duke. No. No, you're looking at your notes. You're meant to do this off the top of your head. I was looking at my rampage notes. <laughs> George. Ralph. Lizzie. George. Ralph. Um, and. Well, Duke and Destroyer. Yeah, you said Destroyer about three times. There's one more. Um, I think. Starscream. No. Mac. 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 Oh, is he like the Japanese guy? Yeah. Yeah, in sort of... I don't know why, why. It reminded me of Thor, The Dark World, where that their one um, Asian character gets left out for half the film. Oh, what? Tadanobu Asano. Yeah. So, maybe one of the greatest Japanese actors that's ever been. Yeah. And he just kind of stands there in the Thor movies, just kind of giving a thumbs up. Yeah. Just happy to be there. Exactly. But um, So, yeah, I forgot about him because he stays on the other... He doesn't even go to Mars, does he? Um, or does he? I, I can't remember where, he, where Pinky is. Is he on the other side of the arc or on the... <laughs> um, no, no, he's on the other side, so yeah, maybe... He's on Earth. Pinky is on Earth. Okay. Okay. So... No, wait. They go down into the elevator, then they go through the portal and Pinky says hi. I think the problem is they use exactly the same sets for both Earth and Mars, yeah. which, you know, makes sense... Because you would, you would make it, um, you, you, there's no reason to change it, but it does make certain bits a bit confusing. They could have at least made the Mars side red. They, that would have been useful. And given everyone like silvery space outfits <laughs> and like pointy hats. So um, anyway, we, we have our, we're our Marine crew. And, and you want, it, let's, uh, let's focus a little bit on, on them. I mean, I don't know. In, individually, we're introduced to them. They're having their R&R session and they're called... They're just t- about to go on holiday, aren't they? Yes, they are. And one of them is playing, with this podcast, I like to point out moments where the film acknowledges mm-hmm. that it's based on a game. Yeah. So with this, you have one of the characters, I guess, is it Duke? Playing like an like a tiger LCD handheld yes. game. And there's like, oh, he's playing a little crummy video game, which by this point in history would be maybe 60, 70 years old. Unless it's there's like, like a kind of retro, retro I know. thing well, that goes on. It would be like if he's playing a cup and ball yeah. on his <laughs> bed. Just, just playing with a wheel and a so, stick. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, and also I think I've, I've seen somewhere that the, the device he's playing on, he's playing it the wrong way around. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a game. I mean, it's, they've just re, 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 they repurposed it for the film itself, but it is an actual video game system. Okay. But it's meant to be played vertically, and he's playing it horizontally. Oh, okay. But all the while he's doing this, they're playing fucking baseball in the in this really enclosed space, and it's all fun and games. We get a moment where somebody catches the pool, the ball to prove what a badass he is. But maybe I think you might have noticed listening to this podcast, listeners that I am very safety conscious and I, <laughs> I applauded uh, Lara Croft for cycling with a cycle helmet and thought, if I was a member of the RRTS TS, I would be saying do you mind you're playing with the baseball in here someone could get hurt someone could get really hurt in, in terms of referencing gaminess The Rock comes down and gives them a mission and says we got a game and then oh. when they go into... No, like, like video games. Yeah, like video games. <gasps> yeah. And uh, later on, I think, when they get to where they need to go, or when they're on the chopper, he says, 
Game time. Mm. So they know it's a game. We also get introduced to a goat is perhaps the film's one concession to religion. Or maybe that's being a bit unfair. There is um, a little... The big difference between this game... Sorry, this film and the games is that the games are all about opening a portal to hell. And for some reason, they decided to make this all about genetics. And um, maybe that was just intentionally to 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 um sideswipe the audience to defy expectations but i i can only imagine it's really because they don't want to get into the whole goddy thing the whole but religious stuff the problem is is that the film just keeps on it's either do one thing or the other mm. and the film constantly teases what the games focus on but then not delivering which i think is why perhaps the film infuriates um, fans of the game because they keep on saying this place is hell mm. uh, blow the place to hell yeah and oh, they keep saying demons don't go they? to hell and yeah face your demons I and think Genesis it... chapter 1 mm. I mean I was just remember I think it was um, later on in the film Carl Urban goes like if I don't if his demons come for me blah de blah de blah and I'm like you can call them demons as much as you like, Carl. Doesn't make him so. I think I remember when this film was in production, there was a massive bit of backlash because it was revealed it wasn't going to be set on Mars and it wasn't going to involve hell. And I think there was a little bit of damage control done by the studio to say, oh, no, no, it totally is. But no, it's not. they're not hell monsters. And um, so the only little bit of religious iconography or... or or sort of concession to that stuff to Christianity is is the character Goat who is ultra religious. He cuts himself when he blasphemes, as we all do. I suppose if the the next Doom film does anything, it will hopefully um, be very much going to hell itself. But well, you just really like hell stuff. I do. I mean, you know, I like Event Horizon and directed by. By friend, our friend, future friend of the show, we haven't got to him yet. Friend of the show, uh, Paul W S Anderson. Yep. Um, yes. <laughs> do, do, is he called Goat because um, shepherds and yeah, or greatest of all time? <laughs> um, Isn't that the phrase? Well, he is the in... first to die, so no. What's interesting about him is that he is the most that looks like Doom guy. I never seen his face. But you know, no, like, don't you oh, have on the, the, oh, gosh, on the yes, bottom, at the bottom of, the of the screen? His face is staring at you the whole game. Oh, yeah, I missed that bit. Um, <laughs> so he's the one who has the sort of buzz cut and looks the most like Doom Guy. I really need but, to see a photo of them both together now. And then when he, spoilers, um, becomes a zombie later on, mm -hmm. and he does the symbol of the cross yes. um, as a zombie, bludgeons his head against a window to kill himself. Mm -hmm. He also looks m most like the zombie marines that you encounter in Doom. Okay. Because they're just zombified versions of the marines that all kind of look like Doom guy. So I thought that was a... A nod. A nod. And we also get my least favourite character, Portman. I remember really liking him when I first saw the film because he had also shown up in a bunch of things. Um, the this actor, is Richard Brake. Richard Brake is his name. And I know him actually mostly from the Muse video, Knights of Cydonia, where he plays an evil cowboy. Yes. But I think he's also become well known for being in Game of Thrones, like yes. the Night King. So he's, he's, got a, he's definitely got a strong face. And he was um, Joe Chill... In Batman oh, yeah. Begins, so he's, he's 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 he pops up in a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, and you know he's got that face, and that's what you need yes. if you want to be a character actor. I can't remember 
why I quite quite liked him. But did you like him because he was a scumbag? Mm. And you were kind of like, I like a kind of deliciously scumbaggy performance? Maybe. He just seemed to have... Later on in the film, he does seem to be the voice of reason where he says, we need backup. And yeah. for some reason, Rock goes, nope. <laughs> Throughout the film, he's a complete fucking liability and oh that's why you don't like him no he's not because not... he's a sleaze bag oh no i, I mean you know i'm a sleaze bag myself so no i'm not really because <laughs> he's like he gets no the, he gets to the mars space station and he says like as soon as he sees some women he's like ladies i'm afraid i'm gonna have to strip oh, search yeah you. no and then the bit when there's the naked zombie lady it, i forgot but I think oh. that 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 might woo, be for woo. the extended scene. Extended scene. Naked zombies, hubba hubba. Later on, him and the kids find a naked woman, really? like with her back turned to them, and he's like, "Ooh, lucky day!" Cooey. Oh no, I did not remember this and scene then at all. She turns around and she goes like, Bleh, and then they oh. shoot her. And she's the one who only had one arm. Um, so no, I, yeah, you you reminded me of all the awful things Portman says and does. It's very interesting to watch this film, again, a, a decade or so removed, where I think we're supposed to like these characters a bit more than I end up liking them now, because they're very much... I mean, don't get me wrong, in Aliens, the characters talk about Arturian Poontang and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that certainly sounds like consensual Poontang. <laughs> but this seems to be, like, his only thing. Like, he just can't stop yeah. being, like... Why did he join the Space Marines? For the Martian Poon, I suppose. Yeah, well, for the... She boys, he's he's yeah, after when that, he that was interesting. Goes to um R and R or not something. Not funny now. Not really funny then. No. Um. So and we talk about Portman a little bit later. We've got the kid, who um I was certain was going to survive the end of the film. <laughs> he <laughs> so does I, to an extent. The tagline of the film is "No one gets out alive," which is fairly spoilery, but also a lie. <laughs> well, so it's not a spoiler then. No, it's misleading. Oh, like maybe I, the film ends and you're like, oh! But I, think, oh! but I think no one gets out alive is kind of like Sarge's point of view. Oh, yes. Maybe that's why it's it's saying that. But at the yeah, from from the perspective of a subtitle, you kind of think, oh, okay, I guess that's the ending. <laughs> I think that's all the characters. You know, those are the we've talked about all the main characters. I mean, we don't we actually haven't really talked about our protagonist, uh, Carl Urban, aka Reaper. Reaper. And um, he, we get the Sarge gets the order that we have to go to Mars, and Reaper is suddenly like, "Oh, my sister's on Mars." Yeah, I don't know if I want to go to Mars. Oldervai. Oh, oh, what is Oldervai? No idea, but that's just the place in Mars where they're based. Oh, why didn't they call it Mars Base One or something cool? The DVD box refers to it as a remote outpost on Mars, and it got me thinking about whether or not there's a closer outpost on Mars. Yeah, surely all outposts on Mars <laughs> up- are remote. One, yeah, one outpost on Mars has got hell on Earth. The other is fine. <laughs> they should have asked them for help, but no. Um, so, uh, Carl, Carl Urban is a little bit worried about going to Mars, even though, hey, I'll jump at the chance of going to Mars, even if I had a sibling there I didn't really want to speak to. <laughs> um, but they get on a... A completely normal, not in the least bit futuristic helicopter, which is a bit disappointing. And they arrive in the Nevada desert, 
go down the lift and I found uh, the lift reminded me of the exit gates to doom um, yes every level ends in a big old switch it may I feel like I'm slightly grasping at straws when I'm trying to compare the film to the classic versions of doom what is effectively an express elevator to hell an express elevator to hell going, going down. down and uh, the, the way they obviously get to Mars is through this portal, as mentioned mm. uh, at the start of the film, which is rendered in what is very much of the time just CGI blobs. Mm. I think any film made with between the years sort of 1992 and 2010 had to have CGI blobs floating around just so they can look. I mean, they always look awful. <laughs> they, yeah. I think, does Doom have teleporting in it? Or is that more like a Quake thing? The thing is, is that, so they go, they get sucked into these blobs and transported sort of instantly to Mars. But I was trying to work out, do they, is it a teleportation? Is it like them actually going in a blob flying in space? Because you see what looks like streets of Mm -hmm. them flying to Mars, kind of like Galaxy Quest. But do you think they teleport or they fly? Going back a step, how, they say they discover the Ark. Yes. And then they end up turning it on. So what what did they find? Did they find this well, glob? I guess they found... Did somebody just I think walk found... into the glob and go into Mars and be like... <gasps> <laughs> I don't and know. And they didn't come back. It's the questionable science this film. It's not a strong suit. Archaeologists don't carry space uh, suits around with no. them. So probably some unlucky they person do now. sort of... We do now after the... Yeah. So they go through the portal to Mars and they they meet Pinky, who's in a futuristic wheelchair, played by Dexter Fletcher. Yes, played by Dexter Fletcher. It's funny how so much of this cast, there's, I think majority of the cast are British. Really? Yeah. Like Destroyer is British, Duke is, Richard Brake is Welsh-American, apparently. I would love them um, to have Rosamund gone... Pike, Dexter mm. Fletcher, they the should have. They should have gone full RP. I say, demon... <laughs> Have at you with my BFG. <laughs> yeah, maybe next Doom will be all kind of Victorian Doom. steampunk. <laughs> Doom. It'll be like War of the Worlds, but with um, interplanetary uh, mm. demon portals. Um, but Pinky, he's in sort of a, a futuristic wheelchair. and um... So later on, does he transform into a demon? Yeah, he does. He, he but... gets singled out. He turns into like a, a Pinky demon. Yeah, but like I think it would have been um, if he because he's a cool called... call me Hell Knight would have been a bit of a giveaway. Because I think in the game isn't it called the Pinky Demon? Mm. Yeah, so that's why he's called Pinky. So it's obviously foreshadowing for those who know the games that this is going to happen. To jump way ahead, mm-hmm. the idea is that all these people are transforming into demons, and those that transform into demons are because part of their soul is evil. Mm, true. So does it mean that Pinky, like? Some of them turn into just zombies, and some of them just, like, transmogrify into, like, creatures. But he turns into, like, a full-on slavering beast. He is the most evil. Is he the most evil person in the film? Well, there is one bit where, um, when Portman is kicking the bucket, and he's looking at Portman's kill cam, and he gives a little bit of a smile... Again, yes. maybe this is one of those unintentional moments of genius we've stumbled upon. Um, but that's the only time I can think where he's being genuinely evil. In fact, he spends a lot of the film saying, I'm not a soldier, I'm not bad, I'm good. Or... Maybe his evil is he's a coward. 
It's the most e- evil thing of all, being yes. a coward. Not being brave. No. Like... like me, like you and me. Yeah. That was really brave. Talking about the kill cams, I thought that was a really good representation of video game first-person shooters. I know it's completely lifted off Aliens. Um, but again, if you, if you dial everything back... The first-person shooter genre, and especially Doom, is influenced by um, Aliens. And so I thought that was a nice little nod. So it's at this point that the Marines enter into the UAC facility where all the research is is taking place, Mm. um, where the outbreak of all the chaos and things uh, happened. Because The Rock has been given a mission, which is um, investigate what happened, retrieve the research... And I think there's a third thing, but I've forgotten. I don't know. <laughs> Wipe them out. There's go to Mars, otherwise there's no film. Why don't you think they have any helmets? So we can <laughs> so we can see their faces. Would a helmet have saved any of them? Well, I feel that one of the most iconic things about Doom Guy is his helmet. True, um, but also it's very practical if you're going to um, a dangerous situation. But most films in which people wear helmets then have lights lighting up the actors' faces, which mm. would make it harder to actually see. Mm. I think it was... I was happy they were non-helmeted. Mm. This film is extraordinarily dark. I mean, I know I was watching this on my phone, but I had the brightness way up, and I wasn't just watching it on the bus. I was watching it in dark places. Like, a good... Th- two-thirds of this film is is almost in pitch black darkness so you can't really see what people's faces are doing and it also makes a lot of the film seem quite samey well i think a lot of the sameness and darkness is probably due to budget Mm -hmm. um and probably just restricting the number of sets i mean the film is predominantly set in and out of corridors Mm. um gangways and and that kind of thing um, you know other words for corridors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, metally Tunnels. Tunnels. Metal tunnels. Tunnels. Passageways. Um, so they, yeah. I mean, they spend most of the film just toing and froing between these places, going back to safe hub room mm. to save their progress and then go back out again. So, And it's all just lots of people holding their guns with flashlights, pointing at things, and what was that noise? And, they could have... Oh, it was gas leak oh it was just nothing it was rats on mars for some reason that we did bring animals to mars for experimentation so just like in rampage in fact yeah well that's the thing so the company were clearly doing some sort of shady business Mm. they were doing all these genetic tests and uh, Um, advanced weapons research they say yes they say because you wouldn't want to fire a massive gun on earth no it's not like we've done that before with nuclear bombs (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) Ooh, gosh political anti-nuclear weapons you mean you've upset gaia (laughs) um i did like though even though i was moaning a bit about the dark corridors i do like the opening sections where the camera's peeking around the corner and it's like monster effects um i thought that was quite nice and build a little bit of tension but uh, i thought actually it does get stuck into it pretty quickly there's only so many jump stare Ooh, what was that sort of thing so it turns out it was something innocuous but not so much it's not so long before they encounter dr carmack who's all gone a bit 
bloody and loopy mm. and proceeds to rip off his ear. Yeah. Although the first thing they do when they discover Dr. Carmack is turn on the lights. <laughs> like, and I thought, can't you just do that in all the... Oh, that was an option. Why well, don't they turn on all the lights? It's ridiculous. Maybe so. It I would say the scary stuff. I would scary. say half the Marines would probably still be alive if they just bothered to use the light switch. Sarge, the Rock, decides to go to the weapons facility and sort of sees that there's a mm. bioforce gun which he's quite got his eye on, and they'll what the bioforce gun later. He, well, he did he see that on the computer screen? He doesn't actually yes. pick it up. Like so, Doom is a shooter. Doom was balls to the wall action. There's a, there's a, the first few levels is a little bit tense, a little bit quieter, but my predominant feeling of what a Doom film is, is non-stop bullet carnage. And this film seems to be more interested in... It kind of, kind of feels like an adaptation of the Resident Evil movie, to be honest. I think, didn't Resident <laughs> Evil come out first? Yes, yeah. by um, three years, I think. Yep, yeah, so, but the first, the first section is very, it's, it's kind of slow and it's kind of just creeping around... And I think it's only really when we go to the armory that we're reminded that, oh, yes, doom means guns. And, you know, I do find guns in real life abhorrent and all that stuff. But doom, the games, is all about fantasy weaponry and craziness and, and laser guns and stuff. And, and we, I mean, we do see this armory. I do quite like the meaty weapons the soldiers have in this film. They, yeah. They do the thing they do in Predator, where each character gets their own special gun, so it's much uh, a character trait as, as the character themselves. Yeah, Destroyer has his... Um, painless. Is Jesse, old... the body venture mm. minigun. Yep, he's got old painless, and uh, I think the only real doomy, doom, doom type gun is the, the Bioforce gun, uh, a.k.a. the BFG. But the problem with that is that when we finally get it, The Rock says, Big fucking gun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit pants. <laughs> what, how it fires? Yeah, it just looks well, I mean, rubbish. I, oh, I like, the, I like the look of the BFG. No, Isn't... it just looks so ineffectual. You see it once when he's trying to shoot the monster-killing Portman mm. and yep. sort of kills Portman, I think at the same time and that's then, how i want to go and then he says <laughs> and then i think he's using it but you don't really see it and then he kind of says at the end like one round when he's shooting at grim and there's this weird thing where reaper like dodges to the side and the blue trail kind of goes past him in slow motion it just kind of looks like they didn't really get the angles and perspective mm. on this quite right it just looks I mean, I know we've Bad. skipped ahead a little bit, but when The Rock tells Reaper he's only got one bioforce gun round, I was really hoping he actually had two. He would have said, I got one. Zap, missed. Fooled you. <laughs> Shoots him again. The bits where he sees the, bio- the BFG for the first time and it's floating, that feels so much like a, a video game with a floating item. Video games have these floating am- uh, armor shards and, and med packs and things. I thought that was a nice little way to get a video game vibe off it and um and after finding Carmack they decide to go a little bit further and find out explore the mystery of Mars yes they bring Carmack back to uh the lab through a nano wall yes we are introduced to the nano wall with a a nano wall why a nano wall just like a flipping metal wall and 
rather than just using a normal door or an airlock or some way to get people through to a scientific area, they just go through this metal wall, which just seems extraordinarily dangerous and it's proved to be so where people keep repeatedly get trapped in the middle of the narrow wall although again someone does get trapped through a sliding door at a certain point so i think if there's one message if there's one takeaway from the movie doom it is beware doors and genetic experimentation um but mainly doors but mainly doors surely this film should have just been called door door <laughs> so i'm finding i find this section really hard to pin down what happens now in my head because it is very samey and it's all very dark and um you said you've kind of written down kind of what what happens what we find but it really is just splitting up and getting into various bits of uh danger really yes i mean it it helps that because i with this the first film to watch at home is that i could jot down notes while I was watching it as opposed to just sort of pouring it all out after I'd seen the film at the cinema. So that helped definitely keep track of the actual blow-by-blow of the movie. They encounter one of the other scientists who's eating research animals. It's during this kind of moment as well that Samantha is performing... uh, Well, she's testing Carmack and finds that uh, he has like some sort of his blood is like kind of crystallized jelly mm, or something coagulating it's also kind of around this time oh yeah they go into the sewers then after mm, that space sewers yeah so they tr- do they track something down there track some movement or is it just let's go look at the sewers i'm sure they find a i think at one point they um one of the imps at- attacks and they chase it there's a lot of chasing 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 yes and then they follow it down a, a manhole or through a hole in the ground uh-huh. and they go into the sewer and then portman you think he's got he, he falls down a hole in the sewer but you think a monster's got him and it's that whole bit like from star wars i suppose um, I kind of wish he had gone down there forever. <laughs> but you were saying that the reason you didn't like him was because he was a liability. So yes. Is, how so? Is that manifested here? or? Well, um, he is sort of just talking all the goddamn time. He gives drugs to the kids to make it focus. And I know the drug, the, the kid requested the drugs, but a proper soldier would be like, no. I mean, the whole crew, I'm wondering, how did they survive any mission before this one? Because they're always doing these schoolboy errors, like going off for a shit. <laughs> Portman goes off to the loo later on, and that's the last turd he ever but does. he also is sort of doing that to call reinforcements yeah, um, I surreptitiously. So I think he was probably, he, he lied probably about- doing it at the same time, but then also using that as a cover for going against Sarge's orders. Mm, but they do a lot of splitting up, and inevitably, whenever they split up, they die. But I, 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 the most disappointing thing about him offering drugs to the kid was that they didn't give them future space drugs names, because oh. I always like it when in sci-fi films they call drugs super-futuristic names, like they, death sticks. In the sewer, they encounter a pair of glowing eyes, which turn into several glowing eyes off the face of the same monster Whoa. and it's the first time we see one of the practical hell beasts made in all their glory i think they're made by the stan winston studio as well um and i think they look kind of great so what do you think of the monster effects in this film i think generally pretty good um there's maybe some ropey animatronic face movements mm. and stuff the main monsters are portrayed by brian Steele. 
mm-hmm. and Doug Jones, mm, who's yes. famous for Shape of Water and Star Trek Discovery. And Star Trek Discovery. He's a man of a thousand prosthetic faces. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not really a surprise, really, to see him in this. No. 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 It's like if you well, see to a... not see him in this. Mm, exactly. I mean, I mean about the monsters. There's a the Rock says at one point. God, it's fast. Uh, but whenever you see them do anything, you can tell it's quite hard for the monster, <laughs> the man to see. Um, they are, they never demonstrate any sort of superhuman speed. And a little bit later on, in the first, I think the thing which lets the first person shooter sequence down a little bit is that it's sort of a shooting gallery where the monsters are just sort of standing there. Yeah, there's like one zombie where it's just kind of like looks and just goes, and then just gets. It's head exploded. Holding a space axe. and Yeah, they've got space axes. I mean, obviously the space chainsaws, which is... Mm-hmm. is Lots of trees in do. space, isn't there? <laughs> or maybe that's why there's no trees on Mars, because they've all been cut down by um, all the chainsaws Martian lumberjacks. <laughs> Despite my, my um, reservations about their speed of movement and stuff, the, arc, the artistry of them is is absolutely top-notch they look great and i think it was one of the last films to uh, sort of have such luxuriant space monsters for a little bit because and now there's lots of people making films where they're all about the practical effects so goat gets attacked by one of the monsters yes uh, hit, after his flashlight inevitably just goes out for no reason no just because they that's don't what even, they do they don't even do the thing where the monsters generate any sort of um, EMP type stuff is just he's got a shitty torch yeah where's his god now <laughs> and he gets attacked and then the monster sicks up a big impregnating virus tongue, tongue leech Ew. thing it's so gross mm. um, <laughs> no tongues <laughs> uh, so Reaper comes to save goat and then the monster attacks him and Reaper like punches the monster in any case... They do kill the monster because they bring it back to the lab okay. and they show Rosamund Pike it. And then Rosamund Pike later on discovers that, and this is the big twist, these aren't invaders and attackers or aliens. These are mutated human beings. She says, This thing didn't butcher Willits. It is Willits. <sighs> but I kind of thought we knew that before she says that, but maybe it's because I've seen the film, but it didn't seem like much of a surprise. No. Doctor, you are going to tell me just what the fuck is going on up here. What? Come here. Come here! This is what? (gasps) God! Have you found anything like this on your archaeological digs? No. Is there any way this thing came from the outside, from the surface? The planet is completely dead. It came from somewhere, lady. Portman, shut up. The atmosphere on the surface can't support life. Maybe it doesn't need air. It could have come from another planet or something. What, like an alien? Look at that thing! Portman, you need to shut the fuck up! That's not what we saw. That's not what Goat and I shot at in genetics. You telling me there's more of these fucking things? Where are your surface entry points? There's a pressure door at the end of the north corridor. Destroyer, you kidding Portman? Get there on the double. Give me an update. Yes, sir. Whatever this thing is, it cannot... Get back through the Ark. Mac, Sir. I want you to arm Pinky with a weapon, with some ST grenades, and seal the Ark door. There's one other door. Where? The entrance to the archaeological dig. They are researching, is it genetic research? 
of course it's going to be something to do with their genetic research. Well, yes, because they did. So she's like um, a forensic archaeologist. I go where the word goes. Um, <laughs> and so they found some skeletons on Mars of some creatures, mm. uh, you know, so smart, but why are they so dead? And, and it's important to remember that... John Grimm was also, I think, very much in the uh, scientific crowd with his sister, but then there was a family tragedy which split them apart. Yes, yeah, so it's around this time, actually, that you get the flashback sequence. Yeah. So this is the one shot, one time where we get to see a character looking at Mars. So John Grimm, he opens up some shutters and takes a peek out into Mars. And it's oh, all looking... Mars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm on Mars. Hmm. Just to remind the audience of, of where this film is actually taking place. And it's at this point where we hear... We don't get a flashback, but we get audio of his memory hmm. hearing about the tragedy of his parents. You can't watch that scene without thinking of Team America, <laughs> World Police. <laughs> I, yes, it's that's almost true. it's almost that you just hear like <laughs> no. <laughs> if only his parents didn't have blueberries in their top pocket. <laughs> um, so yes, the the parents were, I guess, on an archaeological dig. I mean, it is kind of cheesy as shit, and but dying. at the same time, it just gives him just a little bit of coloring, which makes no. It's uh, I mean, it's 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 fine. It's just how it's presented as is yeah, a little just bit silly. corny. Well, you mentioned punching. You mentioned Carl Urban punching, and there's an awful lot of fisticuffs in this film. It's Doom is n- nothing to do with punching, but the the final battle of the film is a fist fight. Yeah, so John Grimm, he punches one of the imps, and there's around about this time where Destroyer, mm. he falls into this prison cell, an electric fence yep. uh, surrounding it and he does fist fights with a monster mm. and yeah at the end of the film has fist fights with between mm. Sarge just seems and very Reaper. strange and I wonder if part of it is I think part of it is down to the rock and his presence and it's like yes. he's a wrestler because he does I pull out some wrestling that moves that final fight it's got some good choreography in it it's quite, it was quite fun to see two superhumans beat the shit out of each other. Um, so even though it was a bit perplexing how they they wait, you know, they, they fire the guns a little bit and then it's just a big sort of more combat-y type sequence, it but was I, still choreographed really well. Yeah, but I think part of it is, and maybe this is a good time to actually talk about the director yeah. of the film, because we haven't even mentioned that yet. No, we're not very good at that. So is it, is it, Could it be something to do with the fact that these directors didn't really go on to uh, great things? Well, so this was directed by Andre Barkowiak, who, before he made this, he was more a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And he did the cinematography for such films as Twins. Okay. Um, I can see that. Falling, <laughs> uh, falling Down. Uh-huh. Speed. Okay. Species. Uh-huh. Dante's Peak. Yeah. The Devil's Advocate. Lethal Weapon 4. U.S. Marshals, so he did, you know, some big films. Mm -hmm. But then his first directorial film was Romeo Must Die, the Jet Li movie, post-Lethal Weapon 4, kind of big Mm. break in America. And then his films after that were Exit Wounds and Cradle to the Grave. So these were all the films which were like Steven Seagal, Jet Li, and rapper DMX, and they're all kind of... And Anthony Anderson, he seems to just use these four people in those Mm -hmm. films. And uh, they're all kind of fist fighty movies, and I feel oh, like right. he's just has to have fist fights in his films. 
it's funny because we may re-encounter... We will be re-encountering... Mr. Bart Kowiak, because mm. he also was the director of Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li. Yeah, but um, it's around about this point where kind of The Rock sort of loses his mind a bit. I mean, we learn later on in the film that this virus focuses, it chooses bad people and affects them and turns them into monsters while the virus can turn uh, good people uh, into superheroes. And for some reason, and I guess this is where they decided, oh, we need to show that The Rock is a bit of a dick. The Rock starts to go really really kind of off rails and a bit mad and he's pissed off because he's lost some people sarge is justified in his anger i think at this time but what my main takeaway from this was that it is a little bit of a shame that the rock is now focused on pg-13 kind of movies predominantly at least that's what he's bombs because he does say fuck really well. Just talking about his performance, mm-hmm. it is interesting. So because kind of sirs now of The Rock's performance. But we talked about how small he is in comparison. And it is actually clear that his acting has improved. Yes, no, I, think. I agree. In this film, he doesn't really do a huge amount of performance performance. But mm. I'm not sure the role really requires him to do so. He's just meant to be a, a hard ass the whole time. He does change, I think, the most characterised. Yeah. I mean, he does seem to suddenly turn into a bit of a psycho. Um, yeah, but, but he, he he basically spends most of the film just like eyeballing mm. like everyone, like even like the gun, the BFG and things like that. He just kind of stares like really hard mm. um, at the floating gun. But uh, yeah, he mostly just like shouts and it's a good mm. commanding performance. You You feel like that's who he is. He sells the role, but it's sort of a shame that, you know, we may not see him be... Just basically, he's, you know, he's the ultimate villain of the movie, and that's really well, he, satisfying and interesting. He was originally going to play... Um, he was he was approached to play the lead, wasn't he? Um, they wanted him to be the main character. He wanted him to be uh, John Grimm, but he read the script, and he said he'd rather be uh, the villain, which I think was a good call, actually. But that's interesting, because like, I always thought the reason why he was so down on this movie was because it was a rare villain role. But I thought maybe he was just like, nah, I don't see this movie because I'm the bad guy in it. I don't want to no, be the bad guy. No, I think it was, it was a choice he wanted to do. He mm. wanted to, he thought Sarge was the more interesting character. And I think he is kind of right, actually. Because yeah. although Carl Urban, I thought he, he's quite good. And I say he's got, he's got a soulful face. If it wasn't Carl Urban, the main character would be a complete blank slate and not very interested. And although the main character in Doom is purposely anonymous, if a film is different, you do need to have... Uh, character you can get behind in the film and I do I do find myself getting behind Carl Urban I suppose so the music in this film is done um, by Clint Mansell I think who's uh, I know mostly for uh, the iconic uh, Requiem for a Dream score Um, but it's very guitar heavy electric guitar heavy and um, I thought in the uh, first person shooter sequence it goes full tilt uh, guitars and rock and drums and I thought that it suited the scene very well but other than that what did you think about the music? It was annoying. 
I think there's some nice little moments. Yeah. But it, it is like very kind of. It's funny, since watching this film, all I've had is the music from the film Equilibrium in my head, which is very, very similar, I think. I, I suppose it works with the games and it sort of works here, but it's just so relentless, I think, that it just becomes a bit like annoying, that sort of just chugging industrial well, guitar. When you think about it, though, I mean, the film is trying to get you to think... Uh, the monster and the situation is terrifying but if you've got a badass soundtrack it actually just makes well who's the badass in this is it the soundtrack for the monsters or the soundtrack for the marines shouldn't be for the marines because they're meant to be in danger well one point and a note actually is the end credits music yes which is a nine inch nails track mm-hmm. you know what you are which is a clint mansell remix and what's the chorus of that section <laughs> I, you you'll have to say you it. I can't me. remember. I, I think it's like Danny's uh, like you know what, what you f- f- fucking you, you are. <laughs> you know what you fuck fucking <laughs> you are. You know what fuck f- fucking you are. What's interesting though is that obviously that's Trent Reznor mm-hmm. and Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. and as well as Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's future scoring accomplishments, yep. including Academy Award winning score for The Social Network. It was Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails who did the music for Quake. Mm. So it brings it all back to the uh, classic it's mm. Software FPS games. It's around about this point when, when Sarge gangs, it goes a bit crazy that Rosamund Point does clock onto the... F- Rosamund Point? Rosamund Point. <laughs> a character's that introduced... sounds like a place where a lighthouse might be. <laughs> Rosamund Point. Now, Rosamund Pike, she clocks onto the fact that these are not invaders that they are in fact mutated human beings and um she demonstrates this by telling her brother john um john john says i need to get you back to um to earth because um we we are leaving we are leaving and that we need to go in about in in 30 seconds and she says i just need 10 and then she demonstrates the evil gene to Carl in about eight seconds. So I like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was yes. counting. What it is was that the um, Dr. Carmack mm-hmm. and UAC were creating C24, chromosome mm. 24, the <gasps> 24th chromosome, mm. and experimenting with xenogenesis uh, by testing this serum on criminals and all this kind of stuff, human research. But the thing that always strikes me, and again, this is something in Resident Evil, is that to make yourself superhuman, Mm -hmm. you inject yourself with something and it turns you into a big, gross monster. And I sort of think like, yeah, okay, you've got all these powers, but you're never going to find a suit that fits you. You know, next time some supervillain thinks, oh, I'm going to become super mighty powerful... Mm -hmm. Maybe not inject yourself with something which will make your clothes rip off and your yeah. arms turn into tentacles. So, why do they decide to go back to Earth? Basically, one of the monsters gets out mm-hmm. and seems to cut through massive doors. Oh, with, yes. With a chainsaw? Well, I or guess. Something. I don't know. Pinky says, one of them's coming in, one of them's coming in. And they're like, use the grenades we gave you. And mm. then he doesn't. Mm. Everyone evacuates through the portal back to the Ark in Nevada. So the demons all come from Mars to 
Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to remember where you lived then. <laughs> but though, it's incredible how quickly they did go through that really, really thick door. It, it definitely feels like they really rushed through things because mm. basically it's just, where's the monster? Oh, it's right here. Oh, it's gone. Everyone go back. We need to quarantine the situation. Mm. But it's all for naught because monsters do get through to to Earth and um, for, for in about an hour's time or, or less, uh, the lift is going to come down and bring monsters back onto Nevada. As Rosamund Pike reveals to um, her brother, Carl Urban, that not everyone needs to be killed, the Rock is actually going around killing lots of people. Um, yes. Young and old. Um, there's kids we see in the facility as well. He's just shooting everyone. And Carl rushes back um, to try and stop this all happening. And then there's a bit of an action sequence of the old nano door again, isn't there? Um, they're in the lab. All these just zombies are attacking. And I know in Doom 3, they're seen, watching you play it, there seem to be a lot more uh, zombies in it it was like lots of zombies at the start but i did find that again a bit disappointing how there wasn't lots of floating heads <laughs> floating shooting fireballs out of their noses or whatever another zombie movie we're going to be doing a lot of video mm. game movies which also count as zombie movies so on the zombie scale to one to ten how do you think these zombies were um what's the baseline i would say are we talking the, about how zombie-like they are, or how just, good just quality of zombie? Quality of zombie. I mean, I would give this maybe a six. Six. It's it's a little bit better than average. I mean, there's some hokiness with them, and it's a little bit just run and go and scream. Mm. But I think there's a bit of character behind them. <laughs> I think there's a little bit more. To them, even though, I, I don't know. In the first person okay. sequence, though, as we established, it's more like a shooting gallery, and they never get really too close. They sort of like, go, and there's yeah. no, you never really feel like when, if they get to you, anything terribly bad's going to happen to you. Yeah, it feels like they, they're just like cardboard cutouts, which are just popped out from mm. the side, and they're just going to make a noise and then wait for you to um, blow them away. Mm. Um, but so, so they're in the lab... And the zombies are trying to get through the nano door. And at this point, um, I think it's uh, Duke. He His feet get grabbed from a grill beneath his feet. He's got a lot of time to do something about it before he's pulled down. He sort of, his foot gets touched. He's like, oh dear. He looks down. He looks at Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike is like, oh dear. And then he gets pulled down. I would have reacted a bit quicker if, it, if that was happening to me. Um, we're down to just uh, Rosamund Pike now and Carl Urban. Carl Urban ends up shooting himself by mistake. <laughs> well, b- of... b- before that, we have The Rock. Oh, he gets yes. grabbed. He says um, he's pulled through the nano wall and goes, I'm not supposed to die, which I found. I really liked that. Yeah. I thought that's a genuinely great bit because you don't expect him to die just then. But I think if I didn't know he was coming back, because because all our characters so far have died just so suddenly and kind of, oh, it's just we need to kill somebody off now type moments. I thought that was just another one of those. But I'd, so it seemed that The Rock, a.k.a. the actor, was surprised he was going out that early. <laughs> and so I liked that. But uh, Carl Urban, he's got now a bullet wound because he's uh, been shot. And then Rosamund Pike decides to give him... Uh, a shot of C-24. And he says, I've done some bad things. 
And uh, I'd love to know what those were. She says, I know you. You're not a bad person. And I'm like, so what's, what's the, the lame thing, the lame bad things he's done? Did he um, walk on the grass when he's not supposed to? Did he say, I swear? <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities are endless. <laughs> but, I mean, he takes the C24 and becomes... Doom guy! Doom guy. So we have our famous... The, the bit... I mean, this was being advertised before um, the film came out, I think. The first-person sequence. I think it might have even been released online before the film. I just... I think I do remember seeing it beforehand as a way to get people into the cinema. But if you look at... If you look at sort of Doom movie on YouTube now... It's pretty much just ten different people have uploaded mm. the first-person shooter sequence. Because everyone talks about the first-person shooter sequence. Some people say it's like the stupidest thing they've ever seen, mm. and that's a gimmick. Some people say it's the best thing ever, and some people say it's the best thing in a bad movie. Mm. And what were your thoughts about the first-person shooter sequence, Harry? I think it's kind of lame, <laughs> but I liked it. I think it's just of its time. You've never seen anything else like it, and I think. Uh, if you were making it today, the technology has improved in such a way that you can have some really great GoPro type stuff. I mean, that's why Hardcore Henry is around, because you can now strap an HD camera to somebody's face and record. Mm. But because it was all shots you know, in proper, on, on proper cameras, it, it just... They, they, and also because of the prosthetics and the people in the, in the costumes, it's doesn't quite have the energy of the of the games and so it feels more like a ghost train mm. i know you talked about how in ready player one you know this sort of race scene at the start and things is like oh this is big spectacle and i feel like this is doing that same sort of um mm. thing it's just like oh okay you're on the ghost train mm. just enjoy there's enjoy no there's the no ride. narrative reason for it it doesn't serve any narrative purpose but i think how it's introduced is sort of makes sense. Fun. It's not just like someone just walks into a room and then, oh, it's first person for the sake of it. It's establishing it's like, he's become yeah, a superhero. He just knocked out, he's unconscious, he gets superhuman serum, mm-hmm. and then you're kind of, you get taken on a little bit of a ride from his perspective for five minutes. I didn't feel any great sense of danger or um, or fear or I didn't jump or anything, but I thought the bit when he's fighting uh, the mutant Pinky with a chainsaw felt very Doom, and I think that's, yeah. the, that's the best bit because it feels really desperate. But the, se- the sequence ends... Yeah, I mean, so The Rock has now fully changed into somebody who didn't want any quarantine stuff, or didn't want anything to get back to the surface, to kind of wanting to save his own skin i suppose he doesn't outright say it but he certainly seems to want to go to um, get some fresh air i think is the expression he uses uh and then they do a little bit of a shootout john grim he's got c24 and he's super good and the rock you see his neck and he's been impregnated with the virus from a monster which grabbed him and so he's got C24 as well, and he's turned super bad, and he gradually becomes more monster face mm. through the fight sequence. I liked his monster face, though. Um, Did you? I. He looks fierce. He looks like poor Star Trek monster. That's probably why I like it, then. Because they have the fight, the rock gets pushed back onto a portal onto Mars... And it's funny, Carl Urban's kiss offline is paraphrasing the kid. He says, 
as the kids said, go to hell. And then he throws the grenade through the portal right onto the rock's nose. Um, it doesn't sort of just like <laughs> land on his nose and there's a cute little <laughs> but he goes Rawr! and that'd be great if again the rock said something a bit badass there yeah we I guess to... the arc portal is yeah Mars blown up we're never going to go to Mars again yep um, and the final we've then we cut to the final shot which is him going up in a lift and um, and John goes almost home and I like to think that they're not immediately executed when they get to the surface <laughs> as a precautionary measure. But um, that's the film kind of ends and then we get the credits where we have a nice, another a reprise of um, the first person sequence. But it's a bit more lo-fi, a bit more CGI, where, the, where you, as it were, go around shooting all the names of the actors and the people that worked on it. And then bang, bang, bang you die at the end as well your character falls and oh i thought that was a bit sad (laughs) this this film kills you at the end so sorry about that chaps and chapettes i don't know i feel like i've been very down on this film but it sounds i i honest to god don't dislike it. it there's nothing really to properly differentiate it between aliens and and really resident evil and a hundred other military squads against uh, a supernatural or otherwise otherworldly enemy. It's just nothing. There's nothing about it that really goes above expectations. You know. Well, I I think it's better than it has a right to be, and I think the main things which I enjoyed about it. Um, everyone goes on about the first person shooter sequence. Mm. I, I, I like that sequence, but I think that becomes the focus and the rest of the film isn't really like that at all. Mm. But what I like about it, I think is that it, it, I think the characters do have some character. Mm. I think it isn't just sort of anonymous grunts plus the lead. Yeah. I guess they're memorable, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're distinct. Mm. And I think that's quite well handled. But I think the thing which which keeps it in my mind as being something a bit different, a bit more interesting, is Sarge, is The Rock, mm. is that kind of introducing a villainous aspect. And mm. I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like... It's a bit of a surprise that it becomes the, vi- the villain, isn't it? Maybe other films might have cut that out at a earlier script stage or test audiences or whatever would have been like, no, he has to be good. And, but I, I feel like that's what makes the film interesting. It's always, mm. when I think about doom, the movie, it's always something which I come back to. It's the kind of aspect of it, which I think mm. sets it apart from, I mean, there's always duplicitous yeah. people. There's always in the marine kind of stuff, there's always someone who, you know But like the rock sells is the, the other people out. Uh, he's like front and centre on the on the on the video box really, isn't he? He's yeah. He's kind of almost you you are he's the first guy you get introduced with out of the Marines. He's the one taking orders. He he seems like your Dutch character from a Predator. Yeah. He's And you but you feel like he would have been either if he's the bad guy he would have been dispatched earlier not be the ultimate villain mm. or you would think that it would have been revealed a bit more of of what's going on but it's kind of a bit more gradual so i'm pretty overall i quite enjoyed the film mm. i i i was you... surprised how much more i enjoyed it than i thought i was going to because i did think it was going to be 
what you ended up thinking it was. Well, I wonder if you if the extended edition is genuinely better. Yeah, there are more character moments. There's a few. There's a bit more stuff in the chopper at the start when mm-hmm. they play a video of Doctor Carmack and you know mm-hmm. talk a bit more about the mission. Okay. Uh, there's a few more interactions with characters earlier on. There's even a few extra bits in the first-person shooter sequence. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, even though I sound like... I feel like I enjoyed it less than I did when I first saw the film, I think I would still recommend it. Don't get me wrong, because if you want a kind of a no-brain um, action action movie with a, with some good monster effects and some charismatic performances, you, you wouldn't go far wrong with uh, Doom here. Dwayne Johnson... If you're listening, stop hating on it so much. It's, it's not that bad. It's all right. Yeah, you've been in worse films. You've definitely <laughs> been in worse films. <laughs> so um, maybe we'll be revisiting this film in a few years' time if Doom, uh, the new Doom, gets made. It'd be good to see the new Doom film in through the lens of the old one. So um, that's what our thoughts on Doom were. But if you've seen the film, as I said, it's, it's readily available on Netflix, on YouTube and on uh, poundshop.com. Um, <laughs> Tell us what you thought about Doom. If you disagree or agree with us, that would be great. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us personally, my Twitter handle is at OnlyManWhoCan. If you want to get in touch with me, it's at Rory Steele. And if you want to get in touch with the Games on Film podcast in general, then Twitter, it's at Games on Film Pod, Facebook.com slash Games on Film Pod. All episodes appear on SoundCloud.com slash Games on Film Pod. It's also available on Acast, iTunes, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Please do rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, and all that jazz. And you can also email us, Games on Film Pod at gmail.com and thanks uh, to David Lightfoot for providing our wonderful theme music. So next time we have got a treat. We have got something animated for the first time although I suppose Ready Player One was largely animated. Uh, The reason we're picking this next film is because there are a lot of sequels to get through so we better get in there early but that's not to say that we aren't massive fans of the franchise and it's got a soft spot in our hearts um what is the film we're going to do rory pokemon the, the f- first movie <laughs> the first movie which is what it was called wasn't it well it was pokemon the first movie mewtwo strikes back oh, or right. maybe Mew- i don't know looking forward to pokemon the first movie and that will come up in a couple of weeks I've been Harry Steele. I've been Rory Steele. Thanks a lot for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And go to hell.